series called Speak to It. And we looked at some of the Bible verses where Jesus was um, with the disciples and a storm came up and he spoke to the storm, right? And the storm just quieted down. And we saw where he saw the fig tree and it wasn't bearing fruit. And he spoke to the fig tree and it just withered up. And they were like, how did that happen? You just spoke to it and it happened. And he was telling them, he says, all you have to do is speak to it. He says, if you speak to the mountain and tell it to move and you have no doubt, but you have faith, it will move. So we've been looking at all these different ways that we speak to things, right? We can speak to the lack in our life. We can speak to the false promises. What, were the, what was the false promise of the fig tree, right? It promised these leaves, promised there'd be figs, but there were no figs. And so many times in our lives we say, oh, I can't move forward or I can't do this because I'm waiting for this to come in. Well, that's a false promise, right? Or in, sometimes we don't know, right? We say, well, I don't know. It looks like it's going to come in, and so I'll say, let's speak to it. If this is from God and this is going to be a blessing, then we just ask for supernatural um, blessing to come quickly. If it's not from God and it's a false promise, then we ask for it to dry up and make it aware so we can go to where we're supposed to be. So over the last few weeks, we've, we've looked at the speaking to lack and speaking to false hope and, and speaking to storms and speaking to the mountain And so we looked at all these, we spoke to what if I have not enough, right? I have something, but it's just not enough. What I have is good, but it's not enough. What if what I need is just a total miracle? So you can go back on our YouTube page and on our our Facebook page and on podcasts and all that. It's on our website if you missed any of those and you'd like to be encouraged. But today, I wanted to look at when Jesus spoke to the enemy. It's so amazing when you really look through the parables, most of what Jesus did was speaking, right? We see how he spoke to the different situations, and he handled all these different situations. So let's look at one of the first places we see recorded where Jesus spoke to the enemy, and it's in Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And, and of course, we could go as far back as the Old Testament and look at some of those examples, but instead we're going to stay here in the Gospels in the New Testament. So we're in Matthew chapter 4, And it starts in verse 1. And this was just before he's about to begin his ministry. He's just been baptized by John the Baptist, okay? And after he was baptized, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I think 40 days and 40 nights, most of us would feel hungry, wouldn't we? (laughs) Now, it's so funny because people talk to me like, what do you think the Bible says about fasting? Should we still fast? And I say, yeah. I mean, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, he didn't say, you know, you don't have to fast. He said, when you fast, right? This is how you should be. And so we know fasting is something that we see in the Bibles talked about many times and how good it is for us. We knew scientifically, we're starting to see studies now coming out of California and different places, that when we fast, literally cancer cells and tumors diminish. Um, your pancreas, your liver can be reset. Like all these different diseases and things have um, been finding out that, you know, when you fast, it does all these wonderful things for you. And most people say, oh, I couldn't fast for more than a day. I'd be so hungry. But most of us that have experienced fasting for more than a day, like maybe three days or five days, um, have found that usually after the first 24 hours, first 48 hours is when you're the most hungry. And then once you get to that third day, you don't really feel hunger anymore. 
And so when they've done these big, long studies, they'll, they'll test to that. They'll say, like, after a while, your body kind of goes into this mode, right, where it just starts eating up anything that doesn't belong to give it energy. That's why the tumors will shrink. That's why your liver will reset in size. And so um, it's really interesting what happens. But that's after, you know, three days. After 40 days, Jesus has passed that window. And probably if there was any fat on his body, right, it got all eaten up for energy, and when you do get to a certain point when there's nothing left for your body to grab for energy, when all of a sudden you start to feel hunger again. It's interesting how that first, you know, 36 hours you'll feel hunger and then all of a sudden your body goes, oh, I'm not being fed, so I'll start using the fat reserves, I'll start doing this stuff. You don't feel hunger. And then once everything in your body has been depleted, all of a sudden you feel hunger again. So Jesus has made it to that second phase of feeling hunger. So he's gone 40 days, 40 nights, and now he's feeling hunger again, right? Everything has been used up. And so I don't know if he was ever hangry, but I've been hangry before. You know, that's a new word that just came out. That means that you're hungry and angry all at the same time, and you're angry because you're hungry, right? So he has, like, officially, I would say, if he could have ever been hangry, this is probably when he would be hangry, right? And sometimes when we're hangry, we, like, don't always say the right things. But thankfully, Jesus was God, you know, so he could be in control of himself and what he said. So it says that after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter. Now, who's the tempter? Does anybody know? It's not Sarah Lee and her baked goods. I know she tempts me all the time. But in this case, the tempter was the devil, right? So it says the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. See, the devil knew that Jesus had the ability to turn stones into bread. He knew he was God. He doesn't, like, he doesn't come and tempt me with something I can't do or something I would never even want to do. Satan tempts me with stuff that I can do and that I want to do, but I'm choosing not to do, right? He doesn't tempt me to, to go rob a bank, right? Because I have no desire to rob a bank. I would, you know, like, I couldn't even pull off a bank heist. Like, I, I don't ever lay in bed thinking I should go rob a bank today, right? He doesn't tempt me with things I could, that I, that I can't do or have no desire to do. So he was tempting Jesus with something he knew he had the ability to do because he was God. And he knew because he was hungry, he could just literally look over and say, Sara Lee Biscuit right there. I know they won't be invented for a while, but I'm God, and I know they will be, and I know they're going to taste delicious. So he tempted Jesus with something he knew he had the ability to do. He says, if you are the Son of God, and I love how he says, if you are, because then that goes into our pride. Like somebody says, well, like, if you're a good mom, you would do this. Why do our kids say that? Because they know our desire is to be a good mom, and so if they say and imply that we're not being a good mom, then we, like, want to, right, go and try to do that. So he's saying, if you are the Son of God, and he knows he is, but Jesus doesn't take the bait, does he? That's why this is a great example to read. He says, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered. So what did he do? He spoke to the devil. He spoke to the enemy, and he said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. All right, so when Satan comes to him and he's tempting him, Jesus replies back with the word of God. And he says, no, I don't need bread to live. I just need God's word to live on. 
Why do we need God's word? Because our soul needs that. Our spirit needs that. Our body needs the flesh, but our spirit, our soul, when we ignore that and we're not feeding that with God's word, we're not being encouraged on a regular basis, the hunger pains of that come out as anger, as depression, as frustration, as worry, right? So he says, nope, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. What is the devil doing now? He's saying, oh, you want to use scripture on me, huh? You base your decisions on scripture. Well, I can twist and manipulate the scriptures. See, Satan can twist and manipulate everything good God's given us, right? God gives us sex and marriage to be enjoyed, And Satan twists it all the time and uses it to abuse women and to have problems and children and all these different things, right? So, you know, oh, you know what? I'm going to give you this this good thing. Oh, you know, we have wine, right? Why is wine was such a good thing back then? Well, they didn't have refrigeration. So they would harvest the grapes. They would crush it, have this grape juice. Can you imagine if after a week out in the hot desert sun in the Middle East, it was just rotten and they'd have to throw it away? all year harvesting and growing these grapes just to enjoy them for one week and then throw them away? No, they're allowed to age without being rotten, right? So that way when all of a sudden the water source has some animal pooping in it and everyone's getting sick and they don't know about water safety, it's like that's why most places, even in the Middle Ages, you couldn't drink the water. The water wasn't good, but thankfully they would have the grape juice and eventually it would ferment and it would, it would hold and it would keep and they had something to drink. So that was meant to be preserved in a way that you could have it all year until the next harvest. But yet Satan can twist that and have them drink too much and become drunk, right? And, and to the point where it becomes a chronic problem for some people. So Satan here, he's taking a word, he's taking part of a scripture that is in the Bible but he's trying to get him to apply it to a situation that's not relevant, right? And so what happens here then is Jesus, he knows the difference. And he answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Just because I know that God will protect me if I'm in harm's way doesn't mean I'm going to tempt God and go jump out in front of a truck and say, well, I prayed for God to protect me today. I'm going to jump in front of the truck and see if he's going to do it. The word also says, right, do not put the Lord your God to a test. If, if, you know, an accident happens, it's, it's an accident. I didn't do it on purpose. So again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. And all this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Now, I love this example, right before Jesus is about to begin his ministry, of all the different ways that Satan talked to him, his responses, and ultimately what made him leave. See, Jesus could have told him to go away that first time, but he was God, and he knew that this would be a story he would retell and explain to his disciples and wanted all of us to be able to read and to have this example. And I love how there's three different temptations. See, we're made in God's image, and God is a triune being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So we are a triune being. We've got a body, soul, and spirit. And see, Satan tempts us in three different ways. 
Sometimes he tempts our body. Turn the stones into bread, right? And what are we supposed to say when that happens, right? You know, he said, man shall not live on bread alone, but out of every word of the mouth of God. When my body tries to say, just take care of me, take care of me, we got to remind it, no, that's not the only way I live. I don't live my whole life just taking care of my body temptations. What are some body temptations, right? Addictions, drugs, alcohol, sex, um, what we view with our eyes, what we put in our mouth. You know, those are bodily temptations. And see, the enemy will come and he will tempt you in those areas And we need to remind Satan, say, no, I can have self-control. I can put my body down because I don't live just by my body. My body doesn't rule me, right? I'm going to go by what God's word says. And then he he told them and said, look, I'm going to have you on the stand on the highest point, and I'm going to see all the kingdoms of the world. And if you just throw yourself down, you know, this this will happen. And, And then he had the, like, look, come bow to me, and, and, and you can rule everything. And see, we have our soul issue. Well, you know, your father, you have this relationship with your father, and if you throw yourself down, you know, he'll send the angels to rescue you. You know in this relationship that he's going to take care of you. See, sometimes we're tempted in relationships. You see this sometimes with, with married couples, right? You know, where the, you have one person say, well, if my spouse really loved me, they would see that I'm depressed and I'm hurting. They would see that I need help with the dishes. They would just, they would just come rescue me. They would just know, right? Or at work, you know, why can't they see I'm doing all this? Why don't they do it? And it's like, okay, that's kind of the temptation that Jesus had, right? Just throw yourself down. They'll see you need help and they'll come rescue you. And that's how the soul issue is. I just, everybody should just read my mind. They should see the look on my face. They should just see that I need help, Right? And the reality is, right, don't put, don't put them to the test. God, you know, Jesus said, I'm not going to put God to the test. If I need something, I've got to ask him. Jesus told us so many times, you have, you know, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. So what is an enemy that comes into your life? It's with your soul and your relationships and how it affects your emotions and how you communicate to other people. And so when the enemy comes in and just says, oh, see, nobody cares about you. No, nobody's, nobody's showing up. I was just telling uh, my friend Linda here on the way in about when my mom died years ago and how when she died, not one of my friends sent a bouquet of flowers to the funeral. And only two people had come to the funeral. And, and how I struggled with that, that was a soul issue for me and feeling like I was basically abandoned in that friendship. Like here I had been and I had done for all these people all these different times. Then when my mom dies, like, you know, why didn't, why didn't they do something for me, right? And that's like the test. Like the two weeks leading up to the funeral, it was a test. I'm thinking, oh, who's going to come? Who's going to send flowers? You know, how are they going to like be there for me? And instead of me putting them to the test, I should have called people during those two weeks and said, man, I'm really struggling. I, I'm wondering if anybody's going to come. I'm wondering if anybody's going to send flowers. I wonder what's going to happen. Instead, for two weeks, I stayed silent. And then when nothing happened, afterwards, I was kind of mad about it. And I said something to a few friends. And, you know, a couple of them said to me, Mary, you seem so strong. You never said anything. I didn't think you needed anything. I thought you were okay. See, I did what Satan wanted me to do. Just stay silent, isolate yourself, act like everything is fine. Put them all to the test, and when they don't show up, they failed, and then now you've got a, a problem with your relationships, right? And see, that's how Satan has us do it in all types of relationships in our life. At work, at home, with our extended family, with our church family, 
we're upset all the time, but did we call and say, hey, I need you? Right? Most of us as adults, especially in the culture we live in now, it's like you, you don't want to invade their space, right? You don't want to, like, in, in, when I was a kid, we used to have people from church just stop by. They'd knock on our door, oh, hi, can we come in to visit? And I used to always have to take their coats and get them a drink. That was my job. Nowadays, you go knock on somebody's house, everybody drops to the floor, and you crawl behind the couch, and you tell the kids, don't answer the door, right? The house isn't clean. We weren't expecting guests. It's probably just the UPS guy. Don't go to the door, right? Don't let the neighbors in. And so our culture has changed, but we have these expectations. So Satan was tempting the soul and how he was going to react to the responsibility, right? Then what was the next one? I want everyone to worship you. If you just go here, you worship me. I'll give you all of this stuff. That's our spirit, right? Who are we going to worship? And see, Satan wanted Jesus to worship him. Now, most of us are not going to get caught up in Satan worship, right? But we do want this knowledge. You know, our culture, what's, what's PC? Oh, go get your palm read, right? Go do the tarot cards, Oh, you know, and then some of it's very subtle, right? It's the movies. You know, you see these movies, and, and, and they glorify witchcraft. And, oh, there's such thing as good witches. So, so just go talk to this person. They're in tune with Mother Earth and with nature. And, and I'm not saying any of these people are bad people, right? We love all people, and I want all people to know the Lord. But as Christian people, we have to know that if I need to know about my future, I don't need to have some woman who believes she can read the future through my palm to tell me what my future is, I need to go to God. I need to pray. I need to have Christian counsel. I need to seek him out, right? But we're tempted to always know the future. Sometimes it's just about that control. Like, well, I just need to know. I just need to know God. I need to go. No, and I'm going to be stressed out and worried until I know how this is going to handle, what's going to happen. And sometimes we just have to trust him and say, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know God is with me no matter what happens. And I'm just going to trust him. So ultimately, every time a different enemy came and tempted Jesus in all these different ways, through his body, his soul, his spirit, and these are different ways that we're tempted every single day in life, right? Jesus, number one, he responded with God's word. How do you respond with God's word? Well, it's hard to respond to God's word if you don't know God's word, right? And then it can be very confusing because, you know, we have the, the ability to have all of God's word put in one place, and so it's, it's like a library. And what the problem is, is a lot of people that need help with plumbing go and get a book on furnaces, you know, and it's, and it's well, I don't know, it says that you should put the pipe in the air duct and blah, blah, blah. Well, you're reading a furnace manual. Get the plumbing manual, right? And so what do we do when we don't know? You, you talk to an elder of the church, you go to a Bible study, you go to the pastor, you say, hey, I'm really struggling with depression and I keep reading Deuteronomy or I keep reading Revelations. Well, don't do that, <laughs> right? Let's not read about the prophecies of the end of the world or the legalistic laws that you can never measure up to <laughs> when you're depressed, right? Like, let's, let's read something else. So I want you to read the book of John if you're depressed and be reminded that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. Well, I have questions about the Holy Spirit. Should I read the book of Daniel? No. If you have questions about the Holy Spirit, I want you to read the book of Luke and then follow up with the book of Acts, right? You know, like there is, this is a library. It's a manual, it's a bunch of different manuals on how to live your life. And if you don't know which manual to grab, depending on what's going on, let me know. Because the problem is if you just Google like um, spirit, right, 
you might not end up reading in Luke. They might give you a verse in Daniel and a verse here and a verse here. Sometimes you just need to read it in context. And so it just depends on the situation and what you're going on. But so these temptations come, but ultimately Jesus simply says, and this is recognizing this is from the enemy. This is what we need to do. Get away. Go. He literally just had to tell the enemy to leave. In verse 10, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. Away from me, Satan. Did you like my shirt? Some of you probably can't read it. It says, Run, devil, run. Run. You get, don't walk out of my house. You better run. Because I am using the name of Jesus. I've got the blood of Jesus. I've got the authority of Jesus. The same power that rose Christ from the dead is in us. That's one of the scriptures that talks about that. It's living in us. And Jesus, so many times, if you don't believe me, read the book of John, especially chapters 14, 15, 16, as he was getting ready to go to the cross, and he's telling his disciples, now you can use my name. He's trying to explain to them, look, I'm going to the cross. Before you were able just to talk to me, and I was able to hear you. And, but now when I go, I want you to use my name. We see at the end of Mark where he says, you will use my name to cast out demons. And we see so many places I could show you. I could spend the, just the entire hour reading all the times when Jesus would just tell the demons to leave the person, right? But we can use that name. Now, some of you are like, well, Mary, I'm not sure. Okay. Well, let's read. When Jesus was here with his disciples, they were casting out demons. We saw a few weeks ago where the disciples had been working on a young boy couldn't cast out the demon. Jesus came up, cast out the demon. Afterwards, the disciples went to Jesus and said, why couldn't we do it? Now, why would they ask that question? Because every other time they could, right? And he said, well, in this particular case, you needed a little bit more prayer and more fasting. So that tells us if we're using the name of Jesus and the situation isn't changing, it's time to fast. I tell you what, if any one of you has some major situation going and I only go up to three days. I can't, it's hard for me to do more than three days on water only because I don't have a lot of reserves. I mean, if we really needed to, I probably could make it. But if any of you call me up, and I've had people do this and say, I, I, I've been praying about my son, I've been praying about my daughter, I've been praying about this work situation, and I think it's time to fast. I'll tell them, tell me what days you're fasting, I'll fast with you. You know, and then that way we can call each other and check in, you know, and encourage each other. How are you doing? How are you feeling? How, what are you praying? Like, and when I take those three days to fast for that person, I'm praying specifically, and then I'll write in my journal anything I feel like the Lord is saying, and I call that person up and let them know. That's being part of a church family. That's us building each other up. It's so you're not doing it alone. It says, where two or more are gathered, I am in your presence. So if two or more agree on anything, right, the Lord will be with us. So when you're casting things out and you're praying in the name of Jesus, if you're struggling and it's not happening, don't give up and say, well, God doesn't want that for me. No, that might not be the case. God wants relationships restored. God wants healing. You know, we can't pray against somebody's free will, but we can still be praying for that situation and the people around them and for the situations to be happening or the job situation to open up. Maybe that job won't open up, but all of a sudden maybe you'll get an offer somewhere else and it'll be twice as better that you didn't even see happening. So... Don't be afraid to do a little extra prayer, a little extra fasting, a little extra seeking God. What's the point of the fasting? Well, number one, you're telling your flesh, your flesh is not in control. My spirit and my soul, my relationship with God is more important. And then during that time when you would have been preparing meals, you would have been eating meals, go sit in a quiet room by yourself, let your family do whatever, and get in your Bible, read, pray, write down in your journal what you feel, feel God's talking about. 
and then talk about that with a, with a spiritual person. But we see here in the book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 38. And one of his disciples came up to Jesus, and he says, Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Isn't that interesting? So you had the 12 disciples, and then at one point we know that Jesus sent out 70, and at that point he said, go out into the villages, tell them the good news, and they came back saying even the demons went at your name. They would pray in the name of Jesus and demons would go. Um, we know there's like 120 at the, when he came in um, after he rose again. We know that when he ascended, there was about 500 that saw him go up. So the 12, you know, they feel like, hey, we're special at this point, right? We're, we're being taught that when we pray for people, we can use the name of Jesus and these demons go. But other men and other spiritual people around us who are following, they, they're using that name. They're, they're praying like we are, and we want to feel special, and we want it to only be us 12 and no more. So we told this guy to stop. And Jesus says, do not stop him, Jesus said. For no one who does a miracle in my name can, be in, can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. Now, this is a beautiful passage. I want you to really get this. He's saying, look, we're going to teach everybody that they can use the name of Jesus to cast out demons. But if they don't even have the, the ability or the desire to cast out demons, if they just give somebody they see a need a cup of water and say, hey, in the name of Jesus, I want to help you. Let me give you something. They're going to be rewarded. They're going to be rewarded. See, the name of Jesus is powerful, and that is what made Christianity change the entire world. Before that, it was, i got to get to the top. I'm going to kill other people. I'm going to do whatever, right? I'm going to do all this stuff to, to make all this stuff happen. And Christianity comes around, and we're taking care of orphans. We're taking care of widows. We're, we are um, trying to help people and do all these different things. And he's saying, look, not only can other people use my name to cast out demons— they can do something as simple as just give somebody water and they're going to be rewarded if they are doing it in, the na in our name, in Christianity, right? So we see that even while Jesus was on earth, that other people began to understand this and began using the name of Jesus. And we can use that name, right? So what are some ways we can use it besides, you know, in, in when our head, when Jesus, Satan is tempting us to say, get away from me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. When somebody is sick, that's one of the times they would use the name of Jesus to bring healing to somebody. Sometimes it was to drive demons out of them. Cause, and people will always ask me, well, how do you know if it's just a physical sickness or if it's like a spirit of infirmity and needs to be cast out? I always say, I don't usually know. I mean, obviously, if somebody comes to me and says, I cut myself and it's now infected, that's usually a healing, right? A healing is something that naturally happens in our body, and when we ask the Lord to heal it, we're asking him to basically do it, what naturally is going to happen anyway, but to be even quicker with it. A miracle is something that needs to happen when it's not something that would naturally happen. So if you come to me and say, I've got a tumor in my breast and the doctor wants to go in for a biopsy next week, then I'm going to pray for a miracle. I'm going to say, in the name of Jesus, tumor, we want you to shrink down. Because naturally in your body, right, that's, tumors grow. That's why there's a problem. 
So if it's like a cut and it just naturally needs to be healed, we're going to pray for supernatural healing, quicker healing. If it's something that normally wouldn't happen that way, we're going to pray for a miracle. But in both cases, there could be a demonic spirit trying to make it worse, trying to make the infection worse, trying to make the tumor worse. And so I usually what I'll do is I'll pray for either a healing or a miracle, and then I'll pray that in the name of Jesus, is, if there's any spirit of infirmity or sickness um, that's not you know, natural, it's from Satan, that we just tell it to go in the name of Jesus. Literally that simple. It's like, Father, please heal their arm, and if there's any spirit of infirmity, we tell it to leave right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's no big, huge thing. If you watch The Exorcist as a kid and you think casting out a demon involves me finding a Catholic priest in some holy water, I hate to disappoint you. It made a really scary movie. I thought it was really funny, but because um, I just I know the truth, right? I'm just like I'm like this is so funny. Like, why is he going through all that effort? Like, she can't do that. You just use the name of Jesus. Sorry. Not trying to dismiss anybody's fears, right? But I want to make light of it to say that that's not reality. That's Hollywood. Reality is I walk into a room and the devil start cowering in the corner because I know my authority. It's kind of like when the police officer walks into the place and all of a sudden the criminals are like trying to sleep out the back door. I remember there was this one uh, party store. A friend of mine was in, had gone in and a police car had pulled into the parking lot and somebody who had been smoking cigarettes out on the sidewalk in front of the party store ran in and yelled, police are here. And my friend who was buying a gallon of milk said that like, like everybody except for the cashier all ran out the back door and went running. And she was like, what just happened? What was going on? And it was funny, right? Because the authorities got on the property and they didn't want to be near that. When you begin walking around and just using the name of Jesus, all of a sudden the demons begin to be like, eh. Good grief, the dog's barking too much. And she's saying, in the name of Jesus, anything tormenting that dog, just go. Like, I don't want to be in this house because I might get kicked out just for, you know, just because there's a creak in the board. Like, oh, my goodness, right? Because you know you're a 30, you know you can use the name of Jesus, and you can just tell them to leave. And they do. They don't want to be around that. So we see here in Luke chapter 4 where there was someone that was sick, right? Jesus went to Peter's house. And it says that Jesus left the synagogue and went into the home of Simon. This was Simon Peter. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. Now, see, Jesus knew, because he was God, if it was just a sickness that just needed to be healed or if it was um, a demon that needed to be cast out and if something tormenting her, okay? So uh, we find that about a third of the miracles that he did for when people came to him sick He cast out a demon, and the other two-thirds where he brought healing. It says he healed them. So it was a physical thing. So it says in this case that he bent over and rebuked the fever, and it left her. So that was a spiritual thing. So he spoke to the fever. He spoke to the enemy. And that's why for us, not being God, if we don't know, we just pray for healing if it needs to be healed. And if it's something that needs to leave her, we tell it to leave in the name of Jesus. Just gives us an extra step where he didn't have to do that. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one of them, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people. So not everyone, right? Some of them he just laid hands and they were healed, but some of them it was a demonic thing that was tormenting them. And they came out shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. 
Now, if any of you have ever come up to me and said, hey, Mary, can you pray for me? I've been feeling this way or this way, and, and, um, you know, and I'll be like, well, is it okay? You know, I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to pray for this. If there's any demons, I'm going to tell them to go. And most people say, yep, yep, whatever you want to pray, go for it. So when I'll pray for the person, you know, I'll be like, and if there's any demonic spirits that are affecting you, whether it's, you know, around you or in you or on you or in your home or in your workplace, you know, I bind you. That's the first thing I say is I bind you. I bind your mouth. I bind your hands, I bind your wings, I bind your feet. And then I always have this image of them like flopping around like a wet fish, you know, like on the dry ground, because it's like they're all like, they can't use their wings, they can't use their feet, they're just kind of like they're bound. And I, and I just believe that the angels will come and clean up the, the trash, you know, the riffraff that's left bound. And then I just tell them, you know, I, can, I cast you off of the person. And people always are like, why do you bind their mouth? Well, Jesus told them to stop speaking. He said, he said be quiet. So that's just, that's like a physical image for you to see that I just told it to be quiet, to no longer speak. It can't say, I, I, I was kicked out, but you go back because that person's got a real big problem in this area. So I'm going to send some of my cohorts back, right? It's kind of like, like when somebody goes into jail for, for robbing, right? Maybe you normally have your windows open all the time because you haven't realized, like, I should close these windows. I keep letting the devil in this way. And he goes to jail, and somebody's getting out the next day. And they say, oh, you want to you make some money? There's this big, huge house on center. And the old lady always keeps the windows open in the back. You can climb right in. She's got her jewelry right there. Right? And so if I bind their mouths when I, they leave the person, then I'm just believing that they're not going to be telling anybody else to come, to come, right? And we just pray in the name of Jesus that then you're protected and that you, the blood of Jesus is over you. So... He spoke to them. He told them to leave. He told them to be quiet. Right? So we see all these different things happening. Now, it might seem kind of a deep thing on a Sunday morning to talk about this, but if I'm going to say speak to the storms, speak to the mountains, speak to the lack, I feel like I wouldn't be a very good pastor to not tell you that you can speak to the enemy. You can speak to the, those temptations that are coming your way and say, that's enough. I don't want to hear this anymore right? Spirit of depression, stop talking to me in the name of Jesus. See, most of us, we just try to distract ourselves. We'll just turn on TV, right? We'll just play a game. We don't, we don't address this monkey on our back. We just try to make something else seem louder. We comfort ourselves with food. We do whatever, right? I want you to stop for a moment and just say, depression, go in the name of Jesus. And if you don't know, just say anything demonic that is affecting me, I tell you to leave right now in the name of Jesus. Right? If you're sick and you're saying, God, heal me, heal me, heal me, don't be afraid to say, in the name of Jesus, Father God, please heal me. Amen. And then say, and devil, if your spirit of infirmity or sickness is affecting this, I tell you to leave right now in the name of Jesus. It's that simple. Don't be afraid, though, to use that name of Jesus and to know that you have the authority. Just like that man that wasn't with the disciples, was using the name of Jesus, was casting out demons. He knew. He believed in Jesus, and he knew that he could use that name. The disciples, right, and, and sometimes this is what's happened, is we've been raised in certain, um, and been around certain people that will say, oh, you don't have authority, you're not a priest. You can't use the name of Jesus. Only a priest can come and do this, right? It's kind of like that movie, The Exorcist. They kind of give you that image, that, that this is something that if you aren't qualified, they're going to be able to hurt you. And that's kind of where John was going a little bit. Like, they were just misguided. They were saying, hey, there's not part of the 12. They can't do that. 
And Jesus is like, do not tell them they can't do that. Why? What was he saying? Anyone can use the name of Jesus. As long as they believe, he says, if they're for us, they're not against us. They can use my name. They can give somebody a glass of water in my name. They can do anything in my name. And see, you are like that man. We're not part of the original 12, but we can use the name of Jesus. And don't allow, you know, worldly belief that you have to be special to use that name. I want you to be using the name of Jesus when you pray. When you, oh, God, please help me. I come to you in the name of Jesus. Because that's authority. You have that authority. If you have something going on, if you, you know, I've had people tell me, I went to a hotel room and it was kind of creepy. You know, or I'll have people call me up and say, like, oh, I, I'm here in this situation. Can you pray? And I'll be like, I'm going to pray, but I want you to pray this. I'm going to text you a prayer, and I want you to say this over the situation you're in or over your house or over your child because you can have that authority as well. Make sense? All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for every single person here, and I pray that when they leave this place that they have this knowledge that they are allowed to use your name. That when Satan comes, like he came to Jesus and tried to tempt him with their body, with food or with sex or with drugs or alcohol, whatever that food and the body temptation is, that they know they can just say, Satan, get away from me in the name of Jesus. And they'll know that the scripture says, that man shall not live on bread alone. I don't just take care of my body. I need to take care of my spirit and my soul. And if I indulge on this, it's going to affect my spirit. It's going to affect my soul. It's going to affect my, my life. And if, and if Satan tries to come and tempt them in relationships and say, see, they don't care, they're not watching out for you, they're not taking care of you, they've got to read your mind, they should just know if they really loved you, that I'll be able to speak up, that every single person here will recognize it for what it is and say, nope, if I need help, I'm going to call and ask for help. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak up. I'm not going to expect that everyone's going to read my mind. Jesus didn't expect God just to do whatever the Father for him. He said, nope, I'm not going to put him to the test. If I need something from the Father, he went and prayed and he asked for it. So help us, Father God, when the enemy comes and tries to tempt our soul and in our relationships. And when the enemy comes and tempts us spiritually and says, that you, you don't need to just find your source in God. You can find a source in all these other things. Just bow down and worship me. Bow down to this or bow down to that. That we can speak up and say, get away from me, Satan. In the name of Jesus, leave me be. I worship the Lord God and him alone. He is my only source. Help us, Father God, whether it be in our body with healing, whether it be in our mind with our thoughts, whether it be with our relationships or wanting to control and know the future, help us to know that we go to you and you alone and that we can use the name of Jesus and speak to that enemy and tell him to leave. We will bind his mouth and say, shut up and go back to hell where you belong. In the name of Jesus, leave. And Father God, I thank you for every single person here. If they need healing in their body, I pray for supernatural healing. Heal them quickly, quicker than they, than they are anticipating. If they need to make better choices with food or with what they're taking, give them that wisdom so that way their body will be in a place of good health. And Father God, I just ask you to watch over them and bring miracles into their lives where they need miracles. And I thank you for all that in the name of Jesus. An enemy that is trying to ride on their shoulders, enemy that is bringing sickness or infirmity, enemy that is trying to affect their body, you enemies out there that is trying to affect their soul and their relationships and how they perceive things, you enemy who is trying to affect their spirit and who they go to when they need help or when they want to control things, you Satan, 
You evil, demonic things, I bind you right now in the name of Jesus. I use the name of Jesus and I cover them with the blood of Jesus right now that they will be cleansed and made whole and you will have no place. You will no longer have a shoulder to ride on or a heart to hide in or a home to be in. I bind you, Satan. I bind your mouth. I bind your hands, your wings, your feet, your eyes. Do not look around. Do not try to figure out what you're going to do next. I bind you in the name of Jesus, and I cast you off of them. I cast you out of their minds. I cast you off of their lives, out of their homes, right now in the name of Jesus. With the authority that I have as a Christian believer, I've been given the authority to use the name of Jesus to tell you, Satan, to no longer affect these people. You will no longer ride on their shoulders. And if they open up their back window and another demonic creature, slimy creature, crawls back up in there and tries to whisper in their ear again, I pray, Father, that you will recognize it and they will recognize it and they will see it quickly and they will be able to say, Satan, leave in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, Father, to help them. Help them recognize where they need to shut some windows so that they, we don't keep opening up their lives to, to, to thoughts, or thought patterns or influences. And Satan, do not come back. And I thank you, Father, that they are free. They are free. And it is that simple to simply call on your name and speak to the enemy and tell him to leave. Help them this week. Watch over them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful week. Don't forget there's lots of sign-up sheets in the back, and the blessing shop is open. And all the guys that want to help with an air conditioner, it won't take us but a minute. Thank you so much. I appreciate your help.